Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello everybody, welcome to the worst idea of all time again. Uh, it's probably not your first time here. I'm going purely by the numbers, by the probabilities and statistics. I reckon you've joined us before. We are watching all of the Emmanuels. Right now we're in the middle of the seven made-for-television French Emmanuels that come after the canonical... Is that the word, Guy? Uh, yeah, why not? First eight that set us up, Sylvia Cristal and George Lazenby take us through a myriad stories through the skies while on a plane. We hate it in terms of a device, but they've stuck with it nonetheless. You say, you say that. I actually uh, have come around. These are some of the scenes I look forward to the most now. And I don't know that we've, you know, they've produced seven feature films in a year so I don't know that we're watching them exactly sequentially as they were meant to be released we watched the first one first and I think that's what's important but I think there's, they're starting to have a bit of fun with the fact that they're on a plane I don't know if you noticed in the very opening scene Tim but um, some of the other passengers there's one man who's wearing a buttoned up shirt all the way to the top and um, a sort of grey suit and they love just showing you what he's up to, which is usually dozing or just sitting with his eyes open and then panning across to Lazenby and Christelle as they reminisce. Today, there was a, another woman, a different passenger, who was sort of floating a, a hot towel in front of his face. Mm. He was totally because unfazed. He, he waved the towel away when it was offered to him. Um, whereas George Lazenby, on the, other, on the other hand, can't get enough of these towels. He even likes I, the way they I love, smell. I, I love wiping my face with these towels. That's a line in this movie. This is the thing. It's like they've got the most extraneous. It all seems to me to be slightly extraneous, but there's something about the familiarity of being put on the plane um, and sort of watching these two fumble their way through their lines that I'm, uh, I'm coming to enjoy. Also, important to note that we are in dubs over subs territory right now. 
But yep. all the Sylvia and George dialogue on the plane is in English, and we are hearing it as it was recorded between it's the It's as two crisp episodes. as a potato chip. Yeah. That is exactly the right analogy for a bit of audio. Crisp like a fried spud. So we open in the air. We get the threat of a story from Emmanuel. <laughs> and George Lazenby, to his credit, has got to be the most generous passenger to be sitting next to the a, a most listen, generous companion not even just on a plane a listener from whom we could all learn a lesson or two someone with the miraculous ability to be interested in literally anything like the most <laughs> insanely indulgent divergences from the main thrust of a story that's being told you could tell george lazenby about leaving the house to go and buy a pint of milk from the dairy Mm. And within that, get distracted by all of the other times you've walked to various different dairies to buy milk. <laughs> and like every time you make an aside, Lazenby would lean closer to you while rubbing his elbow on his massive honking erection to say, do tell me more. Yeah, I love your stories. You would be telling him about 17 people you met who have no consequence to the path of you getting the milk, and he would still just be gagging for more details about this fucking story. Sorry, I'm going to turn my phone on Do Not Disturb Guy. I don't know if that's... um. Oh, you probably I, can't hear that, but it's vibrating up a storm. Is someone blowing up your phone? Yeah, Ben McGugan wants to know um, what kind of thing he needs to buy because he's um, doing a podcast or something. <laughs> this is a guy who we both just lent recording equipment for about three months during a pandemic and didn't record a podcast he recorded nothing he sent it back this is a man who is famous he's a very funny comedian famous for simply refusing to wear shoes <laughs> the guy fucking hates footwear I've seen him perform on multiple occasions in New Zealand's only full-time comedy club, The Classic, not wearing shoes, which I think is illegal. I'm pretty sure it's a health and safety violation. I respect um, the commitment to the bit, if nothing else. Absolutely. Let me throw some names at you, guy. I, I kind of don't even... I can't even be bothered doing this story or the plot this time. And I did... I, listen, man, that sounds like a dodge, actually, me saying that. It sounds like I didn't pay attention to the movie. I fucking did. Quiz me. I could answer any question. I really... I rewound bits because I could feel my mind drifting, and I just made sure that I, like, crammed it all into my head because I'm... I'm getting into that familiar worst idea terrain now of like, I fucking hate this, it sucks, but but now it's like, I've got to do it properly, or else it's truly meaningless. Yeah, that is actually a um, a fantastic way of framing it, is that if we aren't, the coolest thing is if we're not paying attention to the material, then we're I mean- We're only cheating ourselves. That's right. We're not wasting your time, we're wasting our time, you know? Um, Mate, it's not my lunchtime. I could I could do this yeah, all day. Yeah. I know. I'm sorry, sir. I don't think we need to recount the plot because it's very thinly laid out. I would actually quickly like to shout out the producers. And I'm okay. not talking about your sort of top-end money men, you know, the people who are funneling cash into this enterprise. I'm talking about your fucking boots on the ground, logistical, bloody, call sheet writing you know, line producers, the people who are going out there and coordinating seven feature-length, soft-core pornography films, 
being filmed in a calendar year across 52 different international locations in a 52-week year. I mean, this film is called Emmanuel in Venice. So naturally, its closing number is told from (laughs) Mumbai, I believe. That was fucking nuts, man. We get to the one hour and 14 minute mark of a movie that is one hour and 28 minutes of a film, as you rightly point out, titled Emmanuel and Venice. And it's like, well, we better go to India. Why? It wasn't even that important. It was so funny how they presented it like it was this thread that absolutely needed to be like tied this up was for the audience. Of no the, one gives a shit. Of the three we've seen, this is the this was the most meandering and inconsequential story. This was the one that I found... Um, yeah, I, I I didn't actually, you know, I watched it, but I wasn't really abreast of the motives. I didn't. I'm even... gonna, I'm gonna do it. I said a, I wasn't gonna do it. I'm gonna I, do it. Do it in a minute, okay? Your you time. Me? Yep. Your time starts now. We've got a woman called Anais. She's rich. She gets a hundred marriage proposals a day, but she does not look at them. She whips her maid Maria for some reason. She's in love with John, and John is dead. They fuck with a rabbit's foot. Um, the two of the maid and the rich lady and there's synthy church organs. It's very dramatic. Then we have the mother who is confusingly six months older than the daughter by the looks of her. Uh, that's Penelope. Penelope had a partner who was either named John or Charlie. I got a bit 30 confused. seconds remaining. Died in 1972. Since then, she has not taken another man or worn the color white. Uh, then we've got Jenkins. He's a butler. He wants the weekend off. We don't know why, but I suspect... <laughs> Someone in his family has died. <laughs> now, when Penelope gets a letter, she is overcome with joy and lets uh, the butler know, Jenkins, that he can have the day off. But the letter turns out to be a proclamation that this person she loved is dead. Then we later find out that he isn't dead. What That's has happened? That's your time. Ah, that... oh, fuck. Ten yeah. seconds. Yeah, go, go. Penelope's mother doesn't like John slash Charlie, so she's been intercepting all the mail and stopping it from getting to her. So he was assumed dead. He didn't die. She also sent letters back to John slash Charlie saying that Penelope wasn't interested. So he moved to India to be a doctor for children, which we we get to right at the end. Yeah, and you'll be pleased to hear there are lots of uh, shots of the the patients to which this uh, you know reputable doctor tends. No softcore pornography skin flick out of France in the year 1993 is complete without a stop at a children's hospital in India. <laughs> Nothing says sex <laughs> like a children's hospital in I Mumbai. found myself furiously trying to come throughout the entirety of the film, and I quite simply couldn't, until, of course, the orgasmic crescendo that involves a doctor at a children's hospital tending favorite- to his patients. My favorite line in the entire movie was, um, so Emmanuel takes Penelope, who's like crestfallen, and Emmanuel, for some reason, just knows everything. I guess she's the world's greatest detective, in addition to being supernaturally good at sex and possessing a potion that turns her into Yeah, well, woman. that's, why wouldn't, if, if you had the ability to sort of metamorphosize into any other person's form, there's mm-hmm. no reason that you, you couldn't very well become the best spy in the, I, oh, but your heart does need to be pure. Your heart needs to be pure. This was and always James Bond's problem. Is that right? Is that, where they, is that where they lifted that line from? The Bond yeah, franchise. Absolutely. It's from the Bond franchise. A lot of Bond parallels in these Emmanuel movies. Is that not what, least of which it's George what Lazenby himself. Q says when she's showing him some sort of 
biro that if you put the top down, it uh, shoots a dart. Uh, James, James, you must remember, this pen will explode on the seventh click. However, only if you are pure of heart. <laughs> That's from Goldeneye. Great, uh, great, great film. Even better game. Back to my, yeah, and that is rare. That never happens. So my favorite line was, uh, we get to the end of the movie where this guy is in a fucking doctor's coat at a doctor's office being a doctor tending to kids. And when Emmanuel says, uh, I will sh- I'll see you later, doctor. Penelope says, doctor? Come on, man. <laughs> you got this, Penelope. You got on the plane, you somehow managed international travel, and you couldn't put the pieces together that the guy is a doctor. Unbelievable. Yeah. You did a great job there, Tim. And let me tell you, as someone who recently watched the film and is professionally invested in finding the plot interesting, it was no more enjoyable than much more expedient uh, second time around. It's just like I'm having a huge amount of trouble becoming aroused. Not that that's the goal, but it is a curiosity. You know, we've watched enough now that I'm like, well, what am I looking to extract from these films? Um, it's like it's the worst of both worlds, where I, I, you know, I really want to be invested in the characters, and this film it's has time ample... for the boner inspector to make himself known. Boner inspector, boner inspector, bonus, please. The... Let's have a look at these rubber bands. Let's, let let me um. Let me see if I can fit the finger between the rubber band and the flesh. Pull down your decks and cough <laughs> because I've got to check some rubber bands, boys. Ah, flaccid again, I see. Well, better <laughs> luck next week. I could have got there. I reckon I could have got like a, a, a little half chub, maybe, when mm. um, Maria was having sex with, uh, what was Penelope's daughter's name? Fucking um, someone, Aeneas. Or they say it weird. They say like Aeneas or something. Not like we say it. We say it normal. We say we say the correct way. Aeneas, the Um, the creators of the character, they say it (laughs) fucked up. (laughs) They say it all fucking weird and wrong. When those two were going at it, um, I think if there was a different soundtrack. Maybe my body would have let me mm. um, go there. Happy but to hear it. Unfortunately, oh. we had this um, crazy dramatic synthy church organ soundtrack, which they keep coming back to throughout the film, which was wholly inappropriate. It felt like a a scary little Halloween flick. <laughs> Can I just say, Tim? Uh, I've so I this is ancillary but also relevant. I I have a new. I'm a tech guy now, and I've got one of these watches that are um, they're smart. Fuck not like yeah. not like that fucking idiotic watch I was rolling around with that told me the time. Fuck nah, that shit. This guy's bright as all hell, and I just got a notification. This is my second day wearing the watch, and it uh-huh. said in a sort of orange, quite urgent font. It said, "Stress seems high at the moment. <laughs> Take a minute to breathe?" Question mark. Oh no. <laughs> And what do you think that's about, Guy? Let's talk that out. To be fair, outside of watching this movie and recording this podcast, I have had a sensationally relaxing 24 hours since buying and putting this watch on my wrist. And so I think I've probably set an unreasonably high expectation for relaxation and perhaps um, heart rate. And now, 
as I become animated, frustrated, aroused, and excitable, uh, it's probably saying, well, this is out, outside of the ordinary for, for the body that we're, we're used to dealing with, so maybe this guy needs to take a, take a step back and take his hands off the mic and just breathe. So you've trained your smartwatch at your below baseline level of uh, too chilled out and entertainer, and now when you go back to work, it's like, who's this guy? Oh, well, yeah. We don't know this guy. And not deliberately, I hasten to add. I, I have no desire to trick my smartwatch, although that would be a good a good sort of thing to research. Mate, I think it's important. I'm, I'm big at We need to keep fucking up the algorithm so it can't get too good at what it's doing. Mm. We've got to keep tricking it. I thought, there I th- should be a movement and TV shows and a whole like cultural uh, uh, sort of era of us trying to fuck up the algorithm a little bit. I don't disagree. Put your smartwatch on a dog. That'll fuck it up. Yeah. I won't know what to think. How smart are you then? Are you going to keep tabulating my data or tell me how how stressed out this fucking dog is? Pretty stressed out, I imagine. It's got a watch (laughs) on its port. Absolutely. Yeah. But the trick is it's not me. It's the dog. So now your data is worthless. Nothing really reduces the idea of a smartwatch to to more of a puddle than a, a watch trying to tell a dog to take a moment to breathe. Um, it's a dog, you stupid watch. Yeah, you have to relinquish your title of smartwatch when you get strapped to a dog and tell that to chill out. That's fucking, you just lost your degree, mate. You lost your degree from smart electronics, polytechnic. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say it's in Connecticut. But where you and I... That's where they go. The thing, the thing about us is that you and I, though, we're smart. We're clever. We're smart guys. We are intelligent and... We've got a huge body of evidence that we've built together over the years that supports this claim. Guy, what's the smartest thing you know? Tim Bat. <laughs> Did you say the bat? I said Tim Bat. <laughs> oh, that's very nice. Uh, and personally, the smartest thing I know is... Um, if you close, uh, close the door... Close the door behind you, unless it was already open. Just like leave doors how they were, unless, yeah. <laughs> unless obviously the doors doing the wrong thing. In which case, yeah, correct the door. So yeah, and there's not a lot of room for wriggle room <laughs> in that. I'd, I'd actually quite like to <laughs> dig a bit more into the door thing if we could. So the first thing you said was uh, uh, shut the door. Shut the door when you come through it. Make sure that it's closed. Guy, nobody can see this, but Guy is on a video chat with me, and he's he's just lost his marbles. I'll I'll give him a minute to follow his no, no. instructions and take a breath. I'm right here. I stand behind that claim. So far, so good. Shut the right, door. So, yep, shut it. Unless mm-hmm. we don't. Yep, there are circumstances in which the door should not be closed, as well, detailed that. by Tim. Well. You know, if you if you go to your friend's house and they've got the front door open and you walk through the front door, they're obviously sending out a statement to passers-by, to people in the house. There's a relaxed atmosphere. It's probably warm outside. Leave the door open and enjoy the house as it was laid out for you on arrival. If you arrive at your friend's house and the doors, they say the door's unlocked, but the door's closed, open the door, close the door behind you. If you arrive at your friend's house and um, the door's locked, and the, the windows are all shut and locked, and um, you can see people in there, but everything's locked, 
and you knock on the door and they sort of ignore you um, and you, you knock on some of the windows and you even you call them up and you see them look at their phone and they see you're calling and they put the phone back in their pocket and you think, that's weird. Um, I would, at that point, I would break break into the house and start asking questions. Do you know that you've got a broken window? Did you know the front door was locked? Would you like this door open or closed? <laughs> yeah. Because I've opened it. Yeah. And but now I'm unclear because it was it wasn't open. Well, I had to yeah. open it. Maybe you want it open now. Maybe they do. Mm. I mean, it's a pretty fucking simple principle, Tim. Don't see a lot of mate, room for confusion. Mate, here. I'm on I'm a smart guy. I'm on board. I understand it, I get it, because we're both two smart people talking about smart things. With over 300 hours of sub- substantive and supporting documents that highlight only the finest caliber of decision-making. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let me do some math. Hold on. Wish you fucking would. Allow me to quote George Lazenby. 1,080,000 seconds of podcasts. 1,080,000 seconds of smartness. Thank you. And I'd like to give a huge pat on the back and applause to anyone who is a sort of completist, completionist and uh, enough of a masochist to have spent every single one of those seconds in our company. There must be people out there who have done that. I Yeah, I re- yep, there's a few. They're out there. I mean, we have. We certainly have. I've been well, here the whole time. Well, in a way, you haven't, you haven't listened to an, an episode of our podcast ever. Yeah, but that's just... That's just on principle, isn't it? I mean, yeah. if, if the hosts of the podcast aren't going to respect themselves, then why the fuck should I? Huh. <laughs> I, guess, I guess you've got me there, man. <laughs> hey, what um, what animal do you think is the most fuckable? Oh, great question. Immediate answer is a dolphin, just because of... I was um, going to go with dolphin too. Just like sort of... Passing evidence and anecdotal sort of 
documents that that um I think Duncan Trustletters has a fantastic drunk history where he recounts uh the research of LSD in conjunction with uh sexual relations to dolphins. Oh, um, that is the perfect guy to deliver that story. Oh, Fuck, I haven't seen have that you, one. Oh man, that is nah. so far up your alley. He talks about how NASA was uh, like f- funding this research and then yeah, they found da- out someone was jerking off the David, dolphins for pleasure. David Farrier told me about this experiment. I'd never heard of it before. They fucking flooded a whole house too and then their funding got cut midway through and then this person just had to like house a dolphin and they developed a sexual relationship with it and then they were like, this is, this is not good. Yeah, they kept right. feeding the dolphin LSD. That was the point, right? This, they were doing yeah. heaps of LSD. I think initially, I can't remember. I mean, it's all covered in the story, but either they wanted to be able to speak dolphin or they wanted the dolphin to be able to speak English. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man. Acid gives you some ideas, doesn't it? Oh. Let's get this house, and do you know what I see for it? Let's seal it up flood it and put a dolphin in here for me to talk to and possibly fuck and we're going to get NASA to pay for it and for a while they did pretty good pretty good for them damn it feels good to be a gangster yeah man yep so I'm with you on dolphins I'd say land based uh, probably the most sexual appealing animal has got to be a horse really what they've got really they've of got course. great muscle definition uh, they're, they're just, just so like sleek and beautiful uh, they're so big what do you <laughs> what are, a dolphin's pretty large yeah I guess you get different ones. more to our scale like a horse is so big it's you know it's, it's Mate, yeah, dolphin dolphins would be as big as a horse no way jose Nah, you don't reckon? Maybe some, maybe your top end top range dolphins but the ordinary size of a horse would be far greater than that of a dolphin I reckon you're getting spoiled by New Zealand's Hectia dolphins. Hector's dolphins. No, no. Because I think they're littler. I don't doubt that dolphins are big. And there is something terrifying about having sex on a different, you know, uh, 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 the animal's terrain. Like, you know, yeah. if you're having sex with a horse, at least you know you're on land. If you're having sex with a dolphin, it is, it's, it's quite fearful. As Tim has said, they're pretty big. It is a, it's a pretty fearful thing to have to hold your breath and sort of maintain sexual stimulation. I'm sure you know some compromise. What's could your be la- what's your land based choice? He's thinking. He's having a really good think on this one. Can't get past kangaroos right now. Really? Is it Receiving, a cultural thing? Living. Right. I'm thinking of some. There's some uh, quite hot kangaroos online. I don't know if there was one that did the the rounds on the internet recently. Like a real muscular sort of tough guy kangaroo um yeah. and because they're bipeds as well you know yeah there's, I hear there's a a point of connection there you know we could yeah, warm each yeah, other yeah. up with observations yeah. about getting around on foot uh-huh. for eventually settling getting down to, it. to business what about a sort of sky-based sexual partner? You got any thoughts on that? Anything come well, to mind? Similar problem to having sex with a, a, a water-based mammal. Um, I don't want you to get too tied up in the logistics of the bird one, okay? I just want you to kind of get a vibe check on what is like a sexy bird. 
so think less about the intricacies of the physical relationship yep, and yep, more yep. about follow, what you're drawn to in an intimate I way. I follow the thinking. Uh, I always take a good long look at hawks and falcons when I see them. An albatross? Okay. Uh, yeah, fuck, they seem kind of but, dumb to me, though. Yeah, they might be, but... I know they're not. There's this thing about, like, relative size that I notice I keep coming back to. Even though this is flight of fancy, obviously, you know, as far as I know, neither of us have any desire to genuinely have sex with these animals. There is some tiny logical cog in my brain that will not let me get hyped up and horned up for anything that isn't roughly... My equivalent size. And an albatross's wingspan is obviously far greater than my arm span, but just in terms of a match between man and bird. Yeah, the weights would probably be about as, you know, close as you're going to get in the bird kingdom. Um, Unless you're for me, fucking for an asking. emu. Oh, I was um, going to. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, if... Um, actually, I just thought of... If I was in a very dangerous mood and wanted to sort of engage in some risky behaviour to keep things exciting... <laughs> fucking cassowary can you imagine oh wow yeah they are um, aggressive yeah they're, I th- they're the only bird that is like can kill a person right that, that was my understanding they're I the think... only one that can genuinely take you out quite comfortably uh, an ostrich could kill a person Re- like really is it kind of yeah, no, like an ostrich can defend itself against a big cat with its powerful kicking legs and if, if oh okay if a kick is powerful enough to deter you know some sort of apex predator i know that hypothetically yeah. we are but you know we probably oh, not not in the not in the like not, true in, the, sense, not in the animal so. kingdom yeah i i think um, an, i think an ostrich could kill a person no doubt I, in fact I, i'm sure if you punch that into google you you'll probably come across some pretty grisly snuff films that might my, go some way to arousing you before there. Oof. My initial one was um, owls, though. I think there's something quite... Mm. Uh, I think it's the kind of like professorial nature of them. You we, know, they're and, very book smart. And we revere owls. You see, you're, you're describing a, a bird that, you know, as book smart. Hmm. And that's not a usually... A cassowary is street smart, which is also appealing, <laughs> but an owl is book smart. What two animals into species would you like to see united in coitus, in coital union, I would, I, for, building for, to a delightful crescendo? Pure fascination. I would like to see a bear, like a brown bear, and a jellyfish. Because <laughs> it's almost like, have you seen that video that's online? It comes up every now and then of a, a, a monkey just fucking a frog, which I think is dead. Oh, yeah, that is... um. That video is funny, and then it's also very dark. Yeah, it is very dark. And it'd kind of be like that. Jellyfish are very weird. I started with the jellyfish in my head. And I was just like, what's going to fuck this jellyfish? Because, like, jellyfish apparently aren't... They're kind of, like, borderline not a lot, or they're not an animal, because they're just a collection of cells. Mm. They don't have any central nervous system, which mm. is very unusual. Mm. Does that mean that they don't know what's happening? They've got... Well... You know, we don't even really have an understanding of human consciousness. So I think it would be hubristic to yeah, assume we can understand other. But yeah, that's the understanding. I could outsmart a jellyfish. I reckon you could, man. They're essentially rubbish bags floating around in the ocean, but they eat things. Yeah, they probably serve an important ecological function. I mean, if we were to swap out all of the jellyfish with genuine rubbish bags... Who knows? Could we're help. trying. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. we're giving it a good go. It's an, Apparently wasps we could do without, though. 
I researched this specifically because I fucking hate them. And I was like, if you got rid of them, would any would the would the kind of biosphere collapse? And uh, from my limited googling, people were like, nah, we could actually get rid of wasps. That'd be that'd be fine to go. I've always yeah, they are, it's incredible, isn't it? I've always thought of them as the sort of third Reich of the insect or bug world. Hard like out. bees are out here working so hard, literally doing everything for us, and then these sort of similar looking motherfuckers masquerading occasionally as bees. Until you know, like I've I got as a child, I got stung by both. One time, a friend and I were throwing a um a rugby ball back and forth and it went into a bush and I went to pick Legend. it up. And um, I, I wound up handling to get to the rugby ball a, a, a fallen bee's nest and I got um, I got really stung. Whoa. Horrible. I've never heard this story. So, so like multiple bees all up on your shirt. They did not like, you know, fair enough. I was young. I was five or something. It was with Lewis Herbert. And here's a guy who I used to be very close friends with, haven't spoken to for a long time, but ran into him a couple of years ago in Perth, had a beer, same dude. How's what, Lewis? Wasn't as chatty as I remembered, but um, he seemed People like he change. was. He seemed like he was. Uh, he was in good in good fettle. That's really good to hear. Good on you, Lewis. Can't imagine putting my hand in a, a, a fallen beast. Yeah, nest. hindsight it's, being uh, what it is, I wouldn't gruesome. do it again. Um, have you got anything more to say about Emmanuel in Venice? The Big Apple, of course. Or no, that's not what they call it in Venice. They would call it, mm. Mamma Mia, that's a big apple. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> um, nah, man. I think I kind of dedicated all mental resources to clocking what was, like, the plot and the characters. And so there was nothing in the tank for any kind of, uh, uh, in real-time commentary that I was saving up. I don't have a lot to say. I will say this. This director, who has made all uh, seven of these made-for-TV films, man, he loves the association of food and sex, doesn't he? Man, I I feel about food, the food selected and deployed as they have been, I feel the same way about the food and sex as you do about uh, food on mic. It's a real no-no in my book. It's a liability. There's one point where um, Emmanuel and... Wait, now hold on. Emmanuel. Is it Emmanuel? Emmanuel. It's Penelope, and it's a not-possessed Penelope. We should probably get to that. Um, <laughs> Penelope... No, wait, is it Penelope? Fuck, I don't know. One of them's having... Se- no, it's Maria. No. Fuck. I've lost it. Someone's having sex with this guy who's like a trust fund baby. And uh, he's like, do you want to have a picnic? And she's like, sure. So they just go into the other room and start eating food. <laughs> eating food because that's what a picnic is. And the the woman, who I can't remember who it is, just like slams a fucking lemon wedge in her mouth and then one in his. And quite rightly, he just kind of, when she turns her head, just takes it out of his mouth and grabs a napkin and like wipes his tongue on it. Because it's a fucking segment of lemon, you crazy broad. What are you trying to do? It's what's so good is that even in the sort of sexual fantasy, the treatment of the lemon was... Very down to earth. <laughs> like, it wasn't like, oh yeah, this is working. Let's go along with it. It was like we've made a mistake. Okay, <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone. A, I don't want to make a big deal out of this. And a porno. It's so funny to you know, like you have the power of edit. Uh, I love to laugh. Actually, I love to laugh. 
What did you um, make? What was your favorite bit of the film? Did you have a I, shining light? Not really. I liked all the plane interstitials, though. I actually wrote down a, a great George Lazenby quote. Like all of the lines from him and Sylvia Christel, they they are. I reckon they they shot it out in a day. But yep. let's not remember in the in the world of the film that um, this plane this flight is happening in real time, and uh, all of the cutaways. There was one where. Emmanuel, I talked about having to make tea for this woman because the woman didn't know how to make tea without her help. And George Lazenby said, um, "It's a rude awakening when your own kitchen, uh, when your kitchen in your own home feels like foreign territory." And I thought, like, you know, it's sort of it's very difficult to apply, but it's a fucking good line. It's a pretty good line, you know. I reckon that's a very astute observation about the alienation of depending on other people all the time. And uh, something that I think the rich suffer, you know, the hyper rich would suffer from. Aye. What the fuck was going on with Jenkins, man? That's what I want to know. Why did he? Because, like, I really thought they were going to pick that thread up of why the butler needed to take the weekend off. And it looked like a tragedy to me. And they just never explained what was happening. Uh, I just think he's never had a day off in his life. And he was like, he just reached boiling point. And then they realized, uh, you know, a frustrated. Um, member of the proletariat is not sexy stuff. So they need to sex it up. They're he was like, an old dude too. Felt for him. He's obviously led a um, pretty humble life serving this family and he looked like he was well into his advanced years. I can't imagine it would have been a good scene. Because um, Emmanuel possesses the da- Penelope's daughter, uh, Aeneas, and, and has, like, a good time with her. But um, Aeneas seems like a real fucking bitch yeah, she, when Emmanuel isn't around. They make a real point of, you know, putting a big sign over her head saying hard work early on. She's uh, being very rude. She says that the Jenkins isn't allowed any time off, and then she takes aside her, I don't know what we'd call the relationship, maid, is it? Maid. They say just, maid a lot of times. Just for the, you know, for a different member of the uh, the staff having the audacity to ask for some time off. She just absolutely paced her ass with a whip. And presumably yeah. I meant to be turned on. I know. It wasn't even sexy. And maybe like the idea of sexy was different back in the day because we had less awareness of sort of power dynamics and how that feeds into relationships. But like, is it sexy to see an employer just absolutely wailing on an employee? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that's arousing. Well, Not- apparently some of the time it is. I know people have their kinks and shit, but like these movies are made for a wholesale broad audience. Is this is this a common thing? I'm 13 years old. It's 12:30 a.m. on a Friday night. I've got the room to myself. I don't really care about the power dynamics. Man, okay, let me put this out there. Should we be making pornography for young audiences? Because mm. it's like it's like the drug debate, right? People go, you can't make drugs legal, people will do drugs. And then I go, hey, wait a second, people already do drugs. So young people have access to all this pornography already, right? Do we need to just accept that fact and make some way better sex-positive stuff to like set some good early examples of how to pursue a healthy sexual relationship with a partner? It's not your worst idea. For like idea. 14-year-olds. And I'll tell, you, I'll tell you who the guys are, Tim. You're looking. You're looking at no, it. No way. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Nope. Big time. This Not even research- for a second will I wear this hat. This is a research project now, and um, 
you know, my research tells me we're on to a winner. Not happening. I think it's a good idea. I think that that's ample discussion of Emmanuel in Venice and also, you know, various other hot-button topics that um, your, your mates, Tim and Guy, aren't afraid to roll their sleeves up in a dress. This is the thing about Tim and Guy. Will they discuss bestiality at length on an episode? Yes. Will they also float some ideas on trying to get more sex-positive messages to the youth? Also, yes. It's a buffet. A buffet you want to have sex with because the director of these films loves associating food with fucking. It's a buffet of fuck. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.